What a week. Special counsel Jack Smith got his most significant testimony yet, securing a full day of testimony from former Vice President Mike Pence before the federal criminal grand jury in Washington, D.C. that is investigating Donald Trump's 2020 election interference with the big news on the testimony of former Vice President Mike Pence. Let us not forget another major breakthrough by special counsel Jack Smith. Jack Smith has uncovered that Donald Trump hired a second investigation firm in late 2020 to investigate Trump's election fraud claims, his BS election fraud claims. And Trump's campaign paid that firm $750,000. And the firm reported to Trump in no uncertain terms that all of his election fraud claims were false. So what does Trump do in response? Well, his legal team sent a letter to his MAGA Republican friends in the House of Representatives and asked them to order Jack Smith just to shut down your investigation, Jack. The brazenness, the traitorousness, that is MAGA. And speaking of MAGA, Truly vile MAGA Republican behavior was on display again this week in the House of Representatives with Marjorie Taylor Greene leading the corrupt chorus yelling at witnesses and just behaving like complete maniacs. There was that one incident where Marjorie Taylor Greene yelled at a witness that she was not a real mother because she had an adopted child. Like it had nothing to even do what the hearing was even about. I mean, just so despicable. And at the same time, the MAGA Republicans refused to raise the debt ceiling, which will cause America to default on its debt and send the world economy into a great global depression unless Democrats cut spending for veterans and seniors mm-hmm. and children and cut other social programs that tens of millions of Americans depend on. Look, MAGA Republicans celebrated a destructive bill that they passed this week trying to attack Americans and America's full faith and credit. We'll break it all down. And Donald Trump is a civil defendant on trial in a Manhattan federal court in the E. Jean Carroll trial. Trump has not shown up to a single day of trial so far, but his presence was felt when he violated court orders and posted false statements about the case on his social media platform, forcing the federal judge to warn his lawyers that Trump could face criminal penalties if he continued down this course. Court is in recess until Monday, and I do want to mention E. Jean Carroll has already testified with courage and heroism, and Trump's lawyers have been utterly horrible so far. And according to court observers, they've just been completely pissing off 
the jury. Ron DeSantis, I, I think he's still the governor of Florida. He continues to have meltdown after meltdown <laughs> during his unlawful shadow campaign for the Republican presidential nomination. When we did our show earlier in the week, we showed you bobblehead Ron DeSantis in Japan. Um, and earlier today, we saw meltdown meatball Ron in <laughs> Israel when he just started yelling at a reporter and didn't really, I wouldn't even know what he was doing. It didn't really work out the way it does when he's in his safe spaces in Florida. He is not ready for prime time, but all right, we need a palate cleanse. President Biden announced he's running for re-election on a message of protecting American freedom, which I just absolutely love. And I also love that Congressman Jamie Raskin has announced his cancer is in remission following chemotherapy. Congressman Jamie Raskin, a real American hero. I'm Ben Micellis, and this is the Midas Touch Podcast. Brett and Jordy, how are you both doing? Oh, you know, it is always great to be here on the Midas Touch Podcast. It is great to see the Midas Mighty. We got a great crowd tonight and a great show tonight. And as we always kind of say, I feel like in a lot of these episodes, these Republicans, man, every day you'd go, we hit rock bottom, right? Like this has got to be rock bottom. Nope. They always rise to the challenge or I guess get below or go down to the challenge. I'm not sure what you would even say in this mm. situation, but honestly, just completely despicable, detestable uh, behavior that goes beyond politics. I think that's one of the things that going through this show today, the clips that we're going to show you, the policies that the Republicans are pushing the through line that you will see is that this far transcends politics and this is really just the matter of what does it mean to be a human being what totally. does basic humanity mm -hmm. mean this is not democrat or republican this is not left or right this is normal just actual social behavior versus a bunch of maniacs just absolute maniacs who want to see America's destruction and want to just spread such hate and toxicity at all times and want to wear us all down. But guess what, folks? I refuse to be worn down by these authoritarians. In fact, they give me energy to keep fighting back. And we have a lot of good news, a lot of good justice news today, a lot of good news for democracy coming your way as well. Jordy, like in the colorful shirt, it's Thank like you're you. on the beach or something. Then I, I think you should have a, maybe a pina colada or something with you. I feel like, you know, summer's coming. Summer's fast approaching. I think I have your analogy or your metaphor. I'm mixing, I'm mixing them up. The Midas Mighty will correct me for sure. It's, <laughs> it's a game of fascist limbo is what, is what these MAGA Republicans are playing. How low can they go? And they could keep going lower and lower and lower is what a we've lot. seen from Marjorie Taylor Greene and the likes of them. What there I love about what you just did there, Jordy, is I love how you lower, went lower and lower. I, I, I love how you just not really sure if it was a metaphor or an analogy, just just went out there and showed everybody just the vulnerability and just just is it went a dunk for or a jam. It. Is it a dunk or a jam? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? The Midas I Mighty decides. 
I think the line that we had, though, from the last podcast, you know, referring to this kind of MAGA discourse as the equivalent of a fascist Furby, that's really kind of catching on because they live in their own echo chamber where they say things that are so repugnant to a civilized society that when they bring their statements from the the dredges of Newsmax and Fox and 4chan and they bring it to light though in these hearings that they're holding you know you watch these things and you're just like Brett to your point like this isn't I'm not upset at it because I'm a Democrat right I'm upset at it because what they're saying is horrific the conduct is despicable and it's not even a political thing. It's just like a combination of mean and and lies and hate and weird. And you're just like that, that. That shouldn't be what it means to be a Republican today. What there should be is, look, you got what it should be is you got two political parties and the political parties have different approaches grounded in reality about how to advance the interests of our country. And we can have debates about it. But at the end of the day, we love our country and there is objective reality and truth that is not what exists right now. And you have these MAGA Republicans who take any discussion and they just bring it to areas that are so heinous and conspiracy filled. No matter what the issue is, they bring it to an area that you're like, how did you how did you even get there? And we're going to talk about the debt ceiling later, but there's like other examples where they've done it. Obviously, like the most easy examples, like supporting insurrectionists and singing in choirs with the insurrectionists. Not only do they support it, they're like, you know what? We got to sing with them. We got to create a band together and let's sing songs like what the what? What, what you're singing songs with the terrorists like what in the world are you talking about you know then the way they approach you know covid and the pandemic where they just lie about it and they go you know it's just as dangerous as a fajita and you're like a fajita like what what are you talking about but then when it comes to the debt ceiling they're the only ones who are so maniacal as to basically say here's what we're gonna do we're going to destroy the world like it's right out of a supervillain movie. We will destroy the world if our demands are not met here. And like, do you have to do it? Like, is, is it required that you destroy? No, we're going to manufacture a crisis. Sure, everybody's raised the debt ceiling, but we are going to force you to meet our demands. All right, like, what are your demands? Let's not fund the veterans. Let's screw over, you know, let's screw Why over. Why is that always like their first move, by the way? Like the, like they were they were at all in on voting down the PACT Act on veterans care. Such like that was point. their big thing. And then they fist bumped, they fist -bumped after about and they, it. And they celebrated and then they needed Jon Stewart to go down to Washington, D.C. and shame them to their face in order to even think about acting on that issue. And you even see Jon Stewart yesterday, he was out there tweeting that, oh, look, the Republicans are up to it again. They made a promise to me. And look, they're already breaking their promise. They're already trying to attack veterans. I think, you know, I think it goes into this whole thing that 
Republicans today, this whole MAGA movement, they like to view themselves as countercultural because they view it as cool to be counterculture. But what they view as the culture is just people who have a basic sense of decency and basic sense of humanity. So they see corporations having LGBTQ plus inclusive initiatives. They see Democrats, they see people in the news media, they see people promoting positivity, being kind to one another, et cetera. And they view that they have to, in order to fit into their MAGA group, mm -hmm. they have to be against all of that. Mm -hmm. They think that there is a political cash in just being counterculture. But at the end of the day, you're not counterculture. You're not like punk rock. You're just an asshole. I'm sorry. Like you're not like cool counterculture. You're just you're just a dick. Like you're just a really bad, deplorable human being. And that starts with these these politicians. It feeds back through the media. It's this whole feedback loop that goes to the MAGA influencers, the people who show up at the rallies, and then goes right back into the halls of Congress and works its way into the legislation, into the debt ceiling bills, as you were saying, Ben, attacking our veterans, uh, cutting 30 million and that's not a typo, 30 million VA visits for veterans will just be gone with this Kevin McCarthy bill if it had a chance in hell of passing the Senate and being signed by President Biden, which it it, it, it doesn't. Um, let's let's be clear about that up front. But, you know, Kevin McCarthy thinks, oh, look at me. I got a win. I got a win. I was able to corral my caucus. I, I was able to, at the last second, play to the most extremist people in my base and the, their hostage demands. They were taking me hostage, but I gave them everything that they wanted and I get a win because I got it passed, even though it's not going to go anywhere. And then I could say, look, President Biden, look, media, look what I did. I passed the bill. Why won't President Biden sign it? Where, 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 where is Biden? Why aren't they doing it? And thankfully, Biden's like, I'm not even having the conversation. I'm, I'm not yeah. even going to go down that road. I'm not going to cut 22% of the VA budget, okay? I'm not going to eliminate funding for housing choice vouchers for as many as 50,000 veterans, okay? that's It's not happening. I'm not going to humor you wanting to kick 300,000 kids out of childcare and Head Start programs, okay? I'm not going to evict 400,000 families from their homes. These are all things mm -hmm. in Kevin McCarthy's plan that the House Republicans just passed. Kick 1 million seniors off Meals and Wheels. Kick 1 million mothers and children off the WIC Nutritional Insurance Program. Eliminate Pell Grants for 80,000 students. Reduce grant funding for millions of other students. Close 125 air traffic control towers. Scale back rail safety inspections. This is the party who's going to blame Biden for every rail incident. They want to cut back the inspections and cause more crises just like they caused these crises. They want to eliminate funding for the FBI or eliminate funding for the Border Patrol. They want to send manufacturing jobs overseas, roll back all of Biden's environmental protections, deny 750,000 workers job training and employment services. And they have the nerve to act like they are doing this in the interest of the American people. Do not watch what they say. Watch what they do, folks. This is all in writing for the world to see. It goes back to our points when we talk about these MAGA Republicans that they don't want the country to succeed. Their biggest accomplishment would be to tank the U.S. government at all costs, to make sure that there's no economic structure within the U.S. economy, to make sure that politics don't run as they should, to make sure that there's political discourse at levels that are just absurd in violence and stoking outrage, because that for them is their path in their minds to the presidency. They don't want the government to actually work for the people by any stretch of the imagination. They want it to fail.
And Brett, everything that you listed there, right, that's not a talking point of the Midas Touch brothers who were trying to just scare people and say what a bad bill that these Republicans just passed. Everything that you just listed is the bill. Right. The bill by MAGA Republicans says we will raise the debt ceiling only if all of the cuts that Brett just read to you and all of the things Brett just read to you takes place. All of that is actually written in the bill. And before that bill was passed by the House of Representatives, in which all of the MAGA Republicans celebrated, might I add, the bill passed the House by just two votes with George Santos vote putting it over the finish line. If I just want to tell clear, you everything you need. George to know. Santos vote, all those things that Brett listed, the George Santos, Marjorie Taylor Greene Republicans are the ones pushing all of those things. But the day before the vote, Matt Gates went on TV. He went on CNN, which is now, I guess, a friendly place for people like Matt Gates to uh, give interviews on. Um, and Matt Gates admitted on TV that Kevin McCarthy's speakership, uh, those 14 votes, and then finally he got through in like the 15th round or whatever, Kevin McCarthy had to agree to condition the debt ceiling on all of the cuts that we just listed here because Matt Gates made him do it. So Matt Gates held Kevin McCarthy hostage, who now holds the United States of America hostage. But I want to play first this clip of Matt Gates, and then I want to show you the response by Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic leader in the House of Representatives. But first, let's play the clip of Matt Gates on right-wing CNN. My colleagues who uh, put conditions on Speaker McCarthy are not going to fall for that trick. And let me answer the question you asked in your monologue. Absolutely. Features of the deal that allowed Kevin McCarthy to ascend to the speakership require him to fight on top line spending levels in this debt limit battle and to not delay that for the appropriations process that usually gets rolled up in one big omnibus. Could but but listen very carefully to what he said at the end there, right? Which normally takes place during the appropriations process that normally gets rolled up into the omnibus bill. I know the first part of what he said was kind of the most egregious where he said he was holding Kevin McCarthy hostage. But the latter part actually speaks to what the true process is. It's not that there are never discussions that take place about the budget and about appropriations, right? That takes place, as you heard Matt Gates said, during the normal appropriations process, because the debt ceiling is not, it is never about future looking spending. The debt ceiling is about paying the debt that has accrued in the past 97%. Let me say the number again, 97% of all debt that has accrued in the United States predates President Joe Biden. I'll give you another number, 25%. 25% of all debt that has been created in the history of the United States was caused by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republican Party, 25%. 
So here you have the MAGA Republicans and Kevin McCarthy gives the example. Oh, it's like when your kids take your credit card and they spend all the money and then they ask you to raise their limit. You're the kid, McCarthy. You're the you kid. Took the credit, you took the credit card and y'all spent like crazy. President Biden's reduced the deficit. And now you're trying to destroy the family if they don't succumb to your demands. You are the arsonist here. But that's why you go back and listen to what Gates said. There is a normal process where you can debate future spending. And if these MAGA Republicans want to say things like we need to cut 30 million VA visits for veterans and let's cut 22 percent of the VA budget and let's eliminate funding of, for housing vouchers for as many as 50,000 veterans and let's kick 300,000 kids out of child care and Head Start and let's evict 400,000 families from their homes and let's kick one million seniors off wheels, meals and wheels. It's a horrendous position for you to take that position, but there frankly is a time to have that debate publicly in front of the American people. And the time to do that is not to condition blowing up our entire freaking economy by raising the debt ceiling. You've just conflated something. You've now manufactured a cataclysmic crisis that, that could destroy the world's economy. Because you want to cut 30 million VA freaking visits for veterans? Because you want to cut 22% of the VA budget? That's why you're going to destroy the global economy? That's that's where you draw a line? That's what you want? It's absolutely outrageous. Here, play Hakeem Jeffries, though, the Democratic leader who makes a great point, says, how dare these MAGA Republicans act like they're fiscally responsible? Y'all caused this mess. Play the clip. Mr. Speaker, what is the Republican record. President Reagan comes into office and the first thing that he does is massive tax cuts for the wealthy, the well-off, and the well-connected and explodes the deficit. President George W. Bush comes into office 2001, 2003, massive tax cuts for the wealthy, the well-off, and the well-connected, two failed wars, a deep recession, explodes the deficit. President Trump comes into office. First thing he does in 2017, massive tax cuts for the wealthy, the well-off, and the well-connected. The GOP tax scam. 83% of the benefits going to the wealthiest 1% in America explodes the deficits. How dare you lecture America about fiscal responsibility when the record shows that Democrats are the party of job creation and reducing deficits, and Republicans are the party of tax cuts for the wealthy, the well-off, and the well-connected, and exploding the deficit. So we're not going to stand here and allow you to lecture us about fiscal responsibility. What this is, is an effort to try to extract deep, painful cuts on everyday Americans. You know, you know, if you're a decamillionaire or a billionaire and you want to buy a private jet, right, under the Trump tax plan, it's basically a complete write-off. So <laughs> they're protecting. And then they wonder, well, why is it that our, our deficit has ballooned? Well, if you're allowing billionaires to put their money 
in private jets as essentially complete write-offs. And meanwhile, you're prioritizing cutting 30 million VA visits for veterans. I think you've got your priorities completely skewed here. But Brett and Jordy, as that discussion was taking place, as the MAGA Republicans were doing that, there were these committee hearings taking place. And, you know, whether you, it was Jim Jordan or Marjorie Taylor Greene, I mean, Vile is the right word. You know, it, it, it is puke inducing to watch this. And going back to the theme throughout this episode is that their behavior shocks the conscience of a civilized society. That's really it. it, it it's not a political position so much as it is an evil position unintelligible and dumb positions like like hateful positions uh uneducated positions like like really let, let, let's just let's just go through it I, i'll show you what marjorie taylor green said about uh climate change and she goes something like you're going to tell me that back in the ice age how much money did people pay in taxes during the ice age because of what governments were doing to melt the ice i, I mean I, I have like no clue what she's talking about. play this clip people are not affecting climate change you're going to tell me that back in the ice age how much taxes did people pay and how many changes did governments make to melt the ice the climate is going to continue to change and there is no reason to just open up our borders and allow everyone in and continue to funnel over 50 billion dollars or however many billions of dollars or trillions of dollars to foreign countries all over the world simply because they don't like the climate change okay I, I mean the amount of like just idiocracy and weirdness in the and conflict borders trillions of dollars she just like like it's as if experts don't matter to this people. It's like as if the numbers they don't, don't matter to this people. Don't wait, a minute. people. wait, wait a minute. Isn't wait that what Jim Jordan said during the hearing as well? That experts and actual facts don't matter. And by the way, again, this is not the Midas Touch brothers, the Micellus brothers pulling out these clips to cherry pick it, right? Jim Jordan on the House Judiciary GOP Twitter handle posted this. This was the most important thing of the day. What I'm about to show you that Jim Jordan wanted his soundbite to be like he could have picked any soundbite from the hearing and cherry picked ones maybe where he just says like the word anyway. Because that probably would have made him sound the best. If he just <laughs> but, but this is the one that he chose to pick. So just play this clip of, of Jim Jordan. You know what Americans can't stand? You know what they can't stand about this town? The so-called experts. The unelected experts who try to run our lives. Never put their name on a ballot. Never have to go talk to the American people. Get elected. Never have to run for office. Best example, of course, is Dr. Fauci who ran our lives for two years and was wrong, wrong about just about everything he said. And by the way, you're talking about Jim Jordan here, Jim Jordan, who did not even pass the bar, but pretends to be a lawyer on the House Judiciary Committee talking about experts. And it's just, it's so disingenuous. And what they are trying to say, really, if you break it down and distill it, actually goes against everything that they act like they stand for because what he is saying is don't believe the experts 
Don't believe your doctor. Your doctor doesn't know how to best care for you, women. Your doctor doesn't know that. You're, these doctors, they don't know how to best handle infectious diseases uh, that plague the world, that plague our country. Don't listen to economists. Don't listen to the scientists that have been warning about global warming, rapid climate change. Uh, don't listen to any of them. Listen to the government. Listen to me, Jim Jordan. I'm going to tell you what is best for you. I'm going to tell you what kind of medical procedures that you should get or what you should be not allowed to get. I'm going to tell you how diseases spread, how diseases work, and what's the best course of action to take against a global pandemic. Don't listen to the experts. Listen to me, Jim Jordan. And I, what I hate hate, hate. What Jim Jordan does also is he pretends to speak for the American people. You know what the American people hate? You? I don't know. You, <laughs> your, your vile behavior? Experts. I, don't, I didn't see that coming. I mean, I think we rely upon experts. Yeah, I, there, there, was, there was many other things on the list that I would say American, the American people hate until we get to experts, okay? And then Jim Jordan just runs with that. And this is also an authoritarian fascist tactic. It's destroy institutions, break down the whole notion of expertise, put everybody kind of on the same playing field, whether somebody who's actually studied something their entire life or somebody who is just speaking completely out of their ass. Honestly, I, you could also relate this to you know what you see going on on, on social media with like blue checks on Twitter and, and stripping them away from legitimate mm. news sources like the New York Times and giving them to MAGA Patriot 1776. I love Trump heart, 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 whatever the hell these accounts are. They're trying to put experts, people who actually know what they're doing, people with actual expertise in fields on the same plane as just anybody else who heard something in a right-wing fever dream. And that is frankly dangerous. I mean, it's what led to so many people dying of COVID in our country. It's what leads to these catastrophic climate events that we see. That kind of ideology that Jim Jordan is spreading is literally killing people. Do you know there's authoritarian suddenly? pathology because when you're an authoritarian, you have malignant narcissistic personality disorder and a malignant narcissist cannot be told that there's somebody smarter than them. And so when they come up with an idea, oh, like a miracle, it's going to go away. Um, or all you got to do is inject yourself with bleach. And, you know, when you are a malignant narcissist, only your ideas are accurate. Now, if the data starts to suggest that you're not accurate, well, what do you do? You don't test, right? You don't get the data because mm -hmm. if the data proves you wrong, you then attack the data. And ultimately, the historical precedent about why authoritarianism doesn't work in addition to it being cruel and unusual and the conduct directed towards uh, the citizens is barbaric, it's also dysfunctional, right? Because you're not getting good advice. You're not getting the best information. You're getting people who try to just please you and tell you what you want to hear and don't tell you the truth. And that has cataclysmic consequences. And what's made America such a brilliant historical experiment and an example for so many other places in, in the world. And now there's lots of other great countries, though, that have true democracy and do it, frankly, better, I think, than it happens here right now in the United United States because of what the MAGA Republicans are doing. But you want to foster a meritocracy. You want to foster diversity of ideas and have real debates 
and then ultimately tried to come up with the best solutions. But that's not what's taking place. And there, there aren't real discussions right now in the House of Representatives. Instead, you got people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's given the powerful assignment on the Oversight Committee, and they hold the hearing. That's what they call the hearing. The Consequences of School Closures Part 2, the president of the American Federation of Teachers, Miss Randy Weingarten. The purpose of this hearing, again, is to basically downplay like COVID, like it was a serious thing. And then basically to attack Randy Weingarten, who's the president of the American Federation of Teachers, because she cared about the safety of teachers. Like Mm -hmm. her job as the head of the second largest teachers is literally to protect the safety of teachers, to protect their wages, you know, and to protect their working conditions. That's like what her job is. She's supposed to advocate to the various departments to make sure that people are protected and at the bare minimum from global pandemics. And then you should protect them from a lot of other bad working conditions, but at a bare minimum pandemics. So the MAGA Republicans act like, how dare you go and ask the CDC to make safety protocols? You know, it's like, Teachers are dying. And, and I get that, you know, the relative, you know, amount of cases for children may have been less than adults, but guess who are adults? Teachers. Guess, guess where the children come back to? Their parents. Guess where the and their grandparents, who are vulnerable people as well. And it's and, and kids and ben, for all this for all this blame on Fauci, for all this Fauci blame, Fauci set guidelines. Fauci gave his educated analysis based on data. And then you know who actually made decisions to do school closures and whatnot? Donald Trump and governors <laughs> in those states and local school districts. Dr. Fauci was not going and putting the locks on the freaking doors at the <laughs> schools. Fauci said the issue. We had thousands and thousands of people dying every day with no vaccine and no hope in mm-hmm. sight. Fauci gave the best possible information that the scientific community had at the time and government officials made their own decisions based on the data that they had. So ironically, they are kind of blaming Donald Trump in a classic rake stepper move or just all the various other governors around the state, which include every uh, Republican governor out there, just classic rake stepper move over here. But they want to blame Fauci for Donald Trump's failures. They always want to blame somebody else for their own and Trump's failures. Jordy, I know you wanted to say something. What was that? Yeah, before we get into these clips right here, I just want to talk about the word expert and what the MAGA Republicans are trying to do with that word. They're trying to use that word with what they've done to the likes of the word activist. They're trying to make the word expert all of a sudden have some sort of negative connotation like they've done time and time again with the word activist. And the reason why the MAGA Republicans hate data is because the data is never in their favor by any means. So they just stop accounting for it. It's why they hang their hats on talking about how much fentanyl is seized at the border, because that's a data point that shows that Biden's actually providing successes and wins for this country by taking a negative away. Under the Trump administration, we just didn't have the data. It was all getting through. Look no further than the Chinese spy balloons. We found out what, three spy balloons were here under the Trump presidency? And he just didn't tell us. They hate data because it's never in their favor. And Brett, they're not even blaming Fauci for Trump's failures, per se. Like, they're just acting like Fauci is the one who, if if something went good, 
then Fauci shouldn't get credit if, if the right thing happened. If something went bad, Fauci should get all of the blame and they take all total accountability away from their Fuhrer and only the positive things that could possibly happen, which he didn't really do anything positive at all, but they try to take credit for everything that he shouldn't take credit for and everything of blame they'll put on a Fauci and they'll put on whoever. But this is part of their spreading this like conspiracy and trying like this is where the things were like, this is political. You're going after Dr. Fauci, who during a global pandemic provided the best science at the time. You know, somebody who is a world renowned scientist, like mm-hmm. you're politicizing that. But anyway, they hold, they hold this hearing. This is what they're talking about now, right? Just to be clear, they're not holding hearings about how we could improve working conditions for Americans or get Americans better paying jobs or lowering prescription drug prices. Or, like they're not doing hearings on things that America problems that are impacting Americans. No, they're doing a hearing on the consequences of school closures and saying that the American Federation of Teachers president should not have advocated for safe work environments for the teacher. And then they spread a conspiracy that she was the one who wrote the regulations. Ultimately, like it's, it's completely ridiculous. But then when they have Randy Weingarten there, and Randy Weingarten's a lesbian, and Marjorie Taylor Greene knows that. So Marjorie Taylor Greene basically starts mocking Randy Weingarten, saying that you're not a real mother. Here, play this clip. Ms. Weingarten, are you a medical doctor? I am not. Are you a mother? I am a mother by marriage. By marriage, I see. Um, and and my wife is here with me, so... I'm really glad that she's here. Rapper Our, Sharon Ms. Weingarten. As not a medical doctor, not a biological mother, um, and, and really not a teacher either. So what you did is you advised the CDC. Mr. Um, Mr. Chairman, that is, that, I mean, that's a, a, a Excuse me, this is my time. Uh, you People advise- like you need to admit that you're just a political activist, not General a teacher, ladies, is- not a mother, and not a medical doctor. Gentlelady's time is expired. I, yeah. I, now, I now recognize Mr. Jordan from Ohio for five minutes. Point of order, Mr. Chairman. I, I just want to make, make note that um, the, the decorum of the attacks on the witness were unacceptable that the gentlelady from Georgia just did. And so it would be nice if we didn't attack the witnesses, um, particularly whether or when making a decision about whether or not she's a mother. You are a mother. Thank you for, for, for being a great parent. Thank you. Thank you. Your point of order is recognized, Mr. Garcia. A point of now order. Recognize Mr. Point of order. Yes, uh, given that his point of order is recognized, and given that that was not just cruel personal attacks to Ms. Weingarten, who loves her children, it is reflective of the pr- cruel personal attacks to any adopted mother or father who loved their children. So I, I would kindly ask that those remarks be taken out of the record for the sake of all of the parents who have adopted a child and love them dearly and see them as their own. It was not a violation of the House rules. However, your point of order is recognized. 
It's just so you know, it is a direct violation of the House rules. You can't say things like that to a witness and impugn the witness's character and defame the witness's character in an ad hominem attack. It is absolutely an ethics violation. But for the MAGA Republicans, like that's that's just par for the course. Brett, last word on these MAGA Republican hearings for you. Last words. I think it's very revealing as to you know what they want to do overall as well, and and what other kind of fascist things that they have in mind and look no further than what's happening right now in Italy, where the far right government, the far right leader is currently stripping away same sex couples, parental privileges across the country. I mean, that's something that's happening there right now. Um, and we, we could go into that in more detail another time. But you know that these Republicans here in the US are looking over at that and they probably already beat Italy to the punch on it. And they're probably going, we have to do that here. Same-sex couples should not be allowed to adopt children. Same-sex couples should not be allowed to be parents, should not even be allowed to have relationships. This is just a complete attack on freedom, on our fundamental freedoms. And that's why later in the show, when we do speak about President Biden's announcement uh, for president and his messaging, why his messaging of homing in on the concept of freedom and drawing that, that contrast to Republicans is so important. And you see it in Marjorie Taylor Greene's face during that as well, when Randy Weingarten says, Yes, and my wife is actually right here behind me. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, the audio listeners couldn't see it, but Marjorie Taylor Greene gives a very devious smile, almost like, yeah, I know. That's why I'm asking. I want to shame you for your behavior. I want to shame you for being who you are. How dare you? And to me, that is the most disgusting and abhorrent thing. It just is so beneath contempt and lacks any sense of morality and humanity. That's and it is big government using the government, big government to hate on private citizens, to mock private citizens. It is so anti-American. We'll talk about that. And let's also talk about special counsel Jack Smith getting Man, some. <laughs> Big wins this week, some big testimony he's secured from former Vice President Mike Pence. And he's also got some additional uh, significant information about Trump hiring another firm to investigate election fraud claims. And Trump was on notice that all of the things, I mean, obviously he knows, but you know, we, we have another confirmation that he was on notice from a firm he hired, an expert firm that he hired that there was actually no election fraud capable of overturning the results. We'll talk about that and more right after this quick break. Now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Manukora Honey. Did you know that the best tasting honey on the planet comes from New Zealand? It's called Manuka Honey. Manukora has absolutely mastered the art of beekeeping. Their super honey is always 100% raw and has a rich and creamy texture that's unlike anything you've ever tried before. Now, it's a super honey because of its unique antioxidants and prebiotics, as well as a natural antibacterial compound called MGO that only comes from the nectar of this tea tree. 
Now, I tried the 850 MGO rated Manukora honey from the bottle, and wow, it was better than I could have ever imagined. Not to mention that it contains nutrients that support optimal immune and digestive health. Every batch is 100% traceable with a unique QR code on every jar. You can verify potency, purity, and even learn about the specific beekeeper that harvested your honey. Now, I had my honey straight from the spoon, and it was delicious by itself. But you can also add it to your tea or coffee, pancakes, yogurt. You get it. Whatever you like, you could add your Manakora honey to. The creamy caramel texture melts in your mouth. It's really unlike anything I've ever tried. Manakora, it's savory, delicious, and truly the best honey I've had in my entire life. Manukora's honey is available in a range of easy to use formats, including squeeze bottles, compostable honey sticks, so you can eat it straight or add to your favorite foods and drinks. If you head to manukora.com slash Midas or use code Midas, you'll automatically get a free pack of honey sticks with your order. That's a $15 value. That's M-A-N- U-K-O-R-A dot com slash Midas or use code Midas to get a free pack of compostable honey sticks with your order. You haven't tasted or seen honey like this before. So indulge and try some honey with the superpowers from Manukora. Let's go. Jordy, let's go. I love that honey. If you're watching right now or listening, the link is right in the description. So you could click there and get some honey with superpowers. It's really good. I love it. Speaking about superpowers, seems like special counsel Jack Smith is on fire. Not maybe real superpowers, but in terms of justice, he's doing some great, great work right there. You know, we learned right before we went live that uh, throughout the entire day today, as we're recording this and we're recording this live on Thursday, former Vice President Mike Pence testified for a full day in Washington, D.C. before the uh, criminal grand jury in the federal courthouse in Washington, D.C. This comes less than 24 hours after Donald Trump lost his appeal before the D.C. Circuit. He like run there after he got the ruling? They got him in. (laughs) They got him in within like 14 hours of the ruling because on Wednesday we posted the video that the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled against Donald Trump. Donald Trump asserted executive privilege to try to block Pence from testifying. You may recall Pence previously asserted speech and debate clause privilege, (laughs) claiming he should have the same privileges as a United States senator or a member of the House of Representatives. And uh, the judge, Jeb Boesberg, said to Pence, well, look, as it relates to like you in your ceremonial role, like your physical counting of the electoral votes, then maybe we'll just call you the president of the Senate then and recognize your speech and debate clause immunity privileges. We'll treat you like a senator, but everything else you have to testify. So basically he has to testify about everything. And then Jeb Boesberg, the federal court judge, was basically just like Donald Trump, um, you you lose your entire motion, no executive privilege. Pence did an appeal. <laughs> Don, Donald Trump did appeal. But here's the thing, like Donald Trump's now lost over a dozen times in front of the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals asserting executive privilege, right? After you lose once, 
you've already established the precedent, right? So after you lose twice, three times, like you're going to lose each time. The precedent is against you. And the reason why is that former presidents can assert executive privilege. There's a small line of case law that says maybe a former president can assert it in an interbranch dispute, maybe like between a former president and Congress. But as between the current executive branch, Biden, who's not claiming executive privilege, the current DOJs and executive branch department and Donald Trump former, you can't assert executive privilege in any event, a compelling need, a compelling interest overrides executive privilege. So obviously Donald Trump was going to lose. He lost uh, on Wednesday, on Thursday, they like shuttled Pence in, Pence spent the, in- <laughs> Pence spent the entire you day. You might say he flew. No, yeah, not from 9 a.m. 9 to, you know, to 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. And look, Pence knows a ton. Obviously, Pence was was there. He's allowed to testify essentially about all of it. Donald Trump called him the P word on January 6th for not. Oh, Donald Trump thought that's what would work by calling Pence the P word on January 6th before inspiring the insurrection and encouraging the insurrection. So just think about that and all of the other threats that Donald Trump made against Pence, all of the other conversations that Pence would be privy to. And so again, this was a very big development that you have former vice president Mike Pence testifying before uh, this grand jury. I, I, just think about the impact, a former vice president testifying right. against, the, against the president. But I'll say this too, for everybody who's upset about the pace in which this process has taken, slow, I'm with you. I, I share your frustration. But here's what I would say. If you go back to all of the prior episodes of the Midas Touch podcast, and the hot takes that I would do. Go back, for example, when people like Mark Short, former Vice President Pence's former Chief of Staff, testified before the grand jury. Go back to Greg Jacob, the former Chief Counsel to Pence, when he testified before the grand jury. What would happen is they'd show up before the grand jury a long time ago, and then Trump would assert executive privilege there. They wouldn't be able to testify. Um, on those issues while Trump asserted it, then Jack Smith or the DOJ would have to go in, get an order. It would have to be appealed to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Then the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals would then force them to testify. The grand jury doesn't meet every day. It meets a few times a month. So you'd have to find in the next two or three months a time when everybody was free to do it. That process has been repeating over and over again. Now, if you didn't go through that process, you would not get the testimony of Pence. Or you would not get the testimony of anybody. You so if anyone was just like, hey, Jack Smith should have, you know, or, or before that, Garland should have prosecuted right away. My own my only point to that is I'd ask you this question. Would you have wanted a prosecution to take place without the key witnesses? Or would you say, you know what? If it's going to take an extra year, but we're going to get all of the major witnesses, we're going to have to climb the ladder to the top. And in the meantime, we're going to still prosecute the Proud Boys and all the other insurrectionists and the MAGA Republicans will join a choir with the insurrectionists as well. But, you know, the, the other prosecutions are still the other prosecutions are still taking place. Right. It's not like, you know, they got over a thousand other prosecutions, over like 600 convictions so far. They're batting 100 percent on their convictions as of 
the time of this recording. But just think about it. That's how you got Pence to testify. And would you have not wanted Pence to testify on this thing? Like, I just think you have to ask yourself that question. Then in other big news as well, we know that special counsel Jack Smith um, got additional evidence from a second firm that Donald Trump hired to investigate or Trump's campaign hired Mm -hmm. to investigate allegations of election fraud, all of their ridiculous claims. The Trump campaign hired two people to try to support their conspiracy theories. And the first firm, had has been reported before, was called the Berkeley Research Group. And the Trump campaign paid them more than $600,000 for a few weeks worth of work. Um, and they came back and basically said that every fraud claim that Trump made is false. And now we've learned about a second one called Simpatico Software Systems, which is run by someone named Ken Block. And Ken Block just said, Every fraud claim I was asked to investigate by the Trump campaign was false. And Block was recently questioned by special counsel Jack Smith. And so that just builds the intent element. Um, And again, when you're saying with Jack Smith, would you want him to prosecute right away without this discovery, without knowing all of this? You really want an airtight case, Mm -hmm. right? It's also why, why it? it's also why another proof point why they hate data because once again the data does not point in their favor because they just make stuff up. And what then why can Trump even claim executive privilege in this fantasy land that he lives in? Because to your point what's he he's an, he's an executive jagoff. Like what what is he the executive of? <laughs> well, as I said there is different options available to a former president that wants to torture the Constitution that you or I can't make, right? You can't make the Jordy executive privilege claim, but the executive Sorry, privilege I'm gonna, I'm gonna and it, it. <laughs> the exec, I, I'd like you to make it, um, <laughs> the contours of executive privilege and what it means, um, you could at least put forward the argument if you are a former president, hey, under these unique circumstances, it should apply. It could be a completely bad faith argument to make, a completely frivolous argument to make, but presidents are armed with that privilege. The same way if I was represented by a lawyer, I would have attorney-client privilege, right? The same way, Jordy, if you, when you see a medical doctor, there's HIPAA, and there is a patient-physician privilege, right? But the patient-physician privilege gives way if you were to file a personal injury lawsuit and claim that you suffered medical damages, then the patient-physician privilege goes away because there are exceptions. With the attorney-client privilege, if I, if, the, if I start getting advice from an attorney and then I start talking about it on the podcast, the attorney-client privilege goes away. I waive that privilege by talking about it publicly. Also, if I I'm using my attorney to engage in criminal conduct, the crime fraud exception to the attorney-client privilege applies. And by the way, multiple federal judges with respect to Trump (laughs) have found the crime fraud exception applies to the attorney-client privilege that Donald Trump's lawyers have tried to assert. Remember the Central District of California, Judge David Carter basically ruled that Donald Trump and John Eastman were engaged in a coup in 
search of a legal theory Mm -hmm. and allowed the January 6th committee to get a treasure trove of documents which showed that Donald Trump's lawyers knew that Trump was signing false declarations under penalty of perjury in his lawsuit in Georgia, amongst other evidence. They also showed that Donald Trump's lawyers knew their arguments that were being made to the Supreme Court were completely frivolous arguments and that they would never win, right? And similarly, the prior chief judge, Judge Beryl Howell, found that as it relates to Evan Corcoran and Donald Trump, because Corcoran was being used as part of Donald Trump's effort to obstruct justice in his theft of thousands of government records that the crime fraud exception applied with Corcoran and Corcoran was forced. So that's a very long winded answer, Jory, to say that <laughs> the privileges. Say, what, what a thorough explanation. That, you know what? That's why you're my big bro. Because that's that the privilege, though, of executive privilege is a privilege that he can assert. It causes a delay, but the but the privilege can be broken if the privilege doesn't exist. And time and time again, it sh- the, the executive privilege has been demonstrated to be complete BS. I'll say this, Jordy, by the power invested vested in me as a podcaster, as a podcast host, I grant you executive privilege. The Michael okay? Scott meme. I declare executive <laughs> I, privilege. I declare Jordy has executive privilege. And I, I, isn't it? It's kind of ironic that you, I feel like the only things that you hear that Donald Trump actually spends money on or pays people for are like p- things that backfire and things that work poorly on it, like uh, in his favor. Like you hear about Donald Trump having to pay like Hillary Clinton and all the people in that lawsuit, like ma- these massive sanctions. You hear about Trump having to pay seven hundred plus thousand dollars to a firm that refutes all of his stolen election claims <laughs> and and makes him criminally culpable for the insurrection. And he does it twice. Like it's just he, he spends his money on things like the things where he actually pays people. It just seems to backfire every time. The thing that I'm wondering, and the thing that I'm sure that the Midas Mighty out there are wondering, is we're constantly hearing and discussing the fact that Jack Smith is working his way up, and he's working his way up from the lowest rings to the highest levels. And now, today, he's got the former vice president in the office with the grand jury. I mean, you don't really get much (laughs) higher than that. What kind of signal should that send as far as timelines for indictment decisions and any sort of things that we could expect kind of going forward in the next couple of weeks, months, et cetera? So I think that Jack Smith is essentially done with his criminal investigation into Donald Trump's theft of... Yeah, I'm not fully finished with this statement, Jordy, yet. <laughs> After every three words, I just hit him with a wow. Hey, I got to get into the words when I can. I was excited. <laughs> no, okay, on that one. All right, okay. sorry, go, go finish. With, with, with respect to Donald Trump's theft of thousands of government records um, that he and he obstructed justice regarding those records at Mar-a-Lago. Wow. Now we could say wow. I think that wow. that investigation's done. I think with Pence... There's likely going to be some follow up necessary with prior witnesses. Um, you know, there's also going to still be some issues there as well. We haven't heard the name Mark Meadows in a while. A few weeks back, Donald Trump lost again uh, an appeal to try to block Mark Meadows and a bunch of other people from testifying, right, on the basis of executive privilege. So a few things that, and Mark Meadows may actually be more important 
uh, to Jack Smith and former Vice President Pence, but you'd actually would want Pence before Meadows so that you have the full information. Because remember, Meadows was the central like repository of all communications yep. relating to the insurrection. So if I was Jack Smith, Mark Meadows would be my last person, right? So I would go Pence and then I'd focus on Meadows. And here's the thing with Meadows. Meadows is likely going to invoke the Fifth Amendment against self-incrimination. And so what Jack Smith will have to decide, and I think when you rewind these episodes, you'll see next week or in the next two weeks, you'll be like, hey, Ben Ben said that was going to happen. There's going to be discussions on whether or not to give Meadows what's called derivative use immunity, meaning for the purpose of Meadows' testimony Anything that he says during his testimony or that's uniquely derived from his testimony, he gets immunity from. If he commits perjury, you don't get immunity from that. And if special counsel Jack Smith was aware of other crimes, not derivative, not derived from Mark Meadows' testimony, you can still try Mark Meadows and charge him for those other crimes that were not derived from the testimony that he gives you. But I think ultimately what we'll be talking about is that, is a decision to give Meadows derivative use immunity. Now, Meadows' documents and text messages I don't believe we'll be subject to any Fifth Amendment valid privilege there. But if you're going to want Meadows to give you context of what the responses were to those messages, you'd probably give Meadows derivative use immunity, which again is an immunity limited to what's derived from his testimony. And to me, it's a no-lose proposition for Jack Smith because Meadows' crimes are known without his testimony, right? Like they're kind of out there in open and obvious ways. Um, and and so I don't think that things will be derived from it that you'll be like, oh, crap, now I should charge you for that. Like I think you will have known about those things before then. But I think that's the last piece there. So, Jordy, the document case and the obstruction of justice, to me, that's a wrap. That's done. And I think wow. that we could start hearing news about that soon, but special counsel Jack Smith may just want to keep that in the side pocket for now um, so that it's timed the right way. But I still think there's a few more months perhaps on the election interference for what I just discussed, but things will start happening very, very quickly. I actually think Jack Smith's timeline now looks a lot like what uh, Fawny Willis told the Fulton County Sheriff's Department, it would be around that July to September period. Um, and the same way Fawny Willis timeframe has gotten moved back because there are now a lot of cooperating witnesses. The fake electors have been cooperating with her. Um, same thing with Jack Smith. I think that the fact that you've got Pence, you're like, okay, if this makes my timeline a little further out, I've got some kind of critical key testimony here. So big updates there with Jack Smith. But so what does Donald Trump's lawyer do? With all of what I said, Jordy, what's the response by Trump's lawyers? Like this is their go-to move. Because remember, going back to the beginning of this episode, you've got a fascist party in the House of Representatives as the majority, right? Like this isn't a pro-democracy Republican party. Like they're just like an outright corrupt party that you would expect to see in Russia, basically, right? It's like Putin's party. Um, and so you, the go-to move is Trump's lawyers go to one of these committees. In this case, it's the um, intelligence committee. And they go to the chair, this MAGA Republican chair, and they basically write, uh, his name is Mike Turner, and they, they write him a letter. 
and they say, hey, and the, the basic instruction at the end of the letter is ordering him, you know, is basically saying, you need to order Jack Smith to not be involved at all in uh, the criminal investigation of Donald Trump. But when you go through this letter, it is like one of the most like bizarre things I've ever, you know, I've ever read. So this comes from Trump's legal team. So let me just break it down in a non-long-winded way. Let me try to break this down in three we'll minutes. See, we'll Trump, see about that. Trump's lawyer, Tim Parlatori, sends a letter to the MAGA Republican chair of the Intelligence Committee saying that you need to order Jack Smith not to further investigate Donald Trump's obstruction of justice and theft of government records. In the letter on page two, um, you have Trump's lawyer says the following. To be clear, had the National Archives offered President Trump the same assistance that it had provided to all previous presidents, he would have accepted the offer and there would have been no reason to transfer the documents to Mar-a-Lago. So here, his argument is that he stole these documents, including highly classified information, sensitive compartmented information, because he blames the National Archives for not helping him the same way they helped prior presidents. Well, prior presidents also didn't lead an insurrection. Prior presidents accepted their terms ended. Um, and it's not even true what this statement is. Remember, the National Archives, as soon as Donald Trump stole the records, they were being very cooperative. They were saying, hey, can we please get that back? Like, you stole it. Like, can you please, like, what can we do to get the records back? Right. And what did Donald Trump say? He didn't go, oh, I want to cooperate with you. He said, they don't exist. You're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. We never took these records. Or if we did, they belong to us. So it's just belied by the record, right? And then you go into uh, you know the the next page of this, um, and then it says the following: It goes, um, Nara's variance from its standard procedures ignited a dispute with Trump when it discovered that boxes were transferred to Florida. In January 2022, in an attempt to cooperate with Dara, President Trump asked his staff to retrieve 15 boxes that had been moved to Mar-a-Lago so he could see what was in them. So I just want to show you here what the lawyer did. Everybody figure it out. Skipped an entire year. <laughs> <laughs> the, the letter goes from January 2021 to all of a sudden January 2022, right? It acts like a whole year didn't happen. What happened in that year? I don't know. Maybe Nara was being cooperative and said, hey, can you turn it over? And Donald Trump was lying. And finally, when Donald Trump was dead to rights and they knew the stuff was stolen, then Donald Trump's like, like, here, I got these 15 boxes. This is all I got. And that's when Donald Trump gave it to them. And then he lied and said, this is everything. You now have all of the boxes. And Donald Trump himself cherry picked the stuff. But this is what they're going with. But I want you to see what the lawyer did there. And, and it's sneaky, but they skip a full year from January 2021 to January 2022. I'll keep going on, but Brett, your reaction so far. My, my reaction is it tells you everything that they did not submit this to an actual court, but they submitted this to their lackeys in the GOP Congress um, because everything is a political game to them. You know, they want to use the federal government and use their weaponization committees and use this committee. They, they want to use their Republican majority 
to try to threaten Jack Smith to try to stop the investigation. But you can't stop the investigation. You can't just yep. meddle in all these investigations. It's not going to work. Frankly, I think these lawyers should be penalized for even attempting this move. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. They are then putting the blame on NARA. They're putting the blame on the General Services Administration. As always with Trump, it's everyone's fault but himself. It's everyone's fault but himself. And in a video that we'll maybe show if we, if, if we want, a video Trump released today, which was just absolutely crazy speaking about this issue, what does he do? He also projects and he goes, actually, the real obstruction was done by Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the one who obstructed and he refused to work with them and I worked with them. Great. It's like, no, that's it's the complete opposite is what happened. And then he always he cites the Presidential Records Act, but he says it has the opposite meaning, which is a very clear-cut meaning as to what it actually has. He says it means that as president, ex-president, ex he could keep whatever he wants, when in fact it says that those documents actually belong to the government of the United States and that they all need to be accounted for. It's just the gaslighting is nonstop, and all this is about is once again that same Republican kind of Russian-style disinformation flood the zone with BS, muddy the waters, try to confuse people. And once again, it's an attack to bring it back to the beginning on the experts. Let's not let the legal system, let's mm -hmm. not let the experts in charge of these documents work this out. Let's let these maniacs in Congress, our lackeys in Congress, who are so pathetic, who just do everything to try to help Trump when they could be spending their time actually helping the American people, they've decided to spend their time protecting Trump. Let's put them, let's try to put them on the same playing field as the courts. Let's try to equal those two out, balance those two things. When it could not be further from the truth. And here's the thing. These actually are somewhat complicated issues, right? I mean, the, the, the reason I'm able to explain a lot of this stuff, though, is because I went to law school for three years. I practiced law every day, you know, for over a, over a decade, and I've dealt with issues like this before. Um, but if you were to start, tell you know, asking me questions about, you know, the the kind of aerodynamics about how like airplanes work, or if you were to you know start talking to me about how you build a skyscraper, or if you were to talk to me about you know how you perform surgeries and medical procedures, right? Like I I would. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know that, right? So I, I understand that these are actually like complex issues that need to be broken down, but having an expertise to break it down in ways that you can understand is frankly a job that the media was supposed to do. And when large media networks were like, yeah, you know, whatever, everyone's crazy, whatever, like <laughs> we don't, we don't care anymore. That became highly problematic. And then when you have propaganda media that spreads the disinformation, and then when you actually have the people who have constitutional responsibilities, I mean, let's remember, you know, when these Republicans are doing things like, like they, you pledge an oath to the constitution, right? And even when we were talking about the debt ceiling, for example, like when you pledge an oath to the Constitution, like in the 14th Amendment, Section 4, it says the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services and suppressing uh, insurrection or rebellion shall not be questioned. That's including. So it's it, the whole thing is the validity of the public debt shall not be questioned. OK, so like just even something like that, like 
You're supposed to follow the Constitution. And when these MAGA Republicans are like, yeah, screw it. We don't like democracy. We don't like the Constitution, whatever. Fascism, George Santos, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Mr. Potato Head, testicle tanning, green M&Ms, purple M&Ms, Dr. Seuss, Dr. Seuss, bathrooms, bathrooms. Like, you know, people's might get it. Like, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and they want to wear you down, but we are not going to be worn down. And when you're not worn down, you know what? You pick up on some of the mistakes that some of these idiots make. And so when we come back from this quick break, I want to show you from that letter an incriminating mistake that Donald wow. Trump's lawyers made. And then I also want to talk about the E. Jean Carroll trial. Let's take a quick break. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Roan. If you're like me, you understand the pains of finding out what to wear. Let's face it, most clothes are uncomfortable or too tight or never actually the size that you really are, and not to mention the annoyance of trying to put together a good outfit. And when you finally do have a good fit, you can only wear it for a few hours before you have an important meeting or dinner, and then you have to change. Everyone wants to dress their best and look good at all times because, frankly, it's a confidence booster. So here's the deal. Men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible set of products known to man. And here's why. Roan helps you get ready for any occasion with the commuter collection, which offers the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, and polos. You never have to worry about what to wear when you have the Roan commuter collection. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way, from your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf. It's time to feel confident without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the products. It's that easy. With the Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. I absolutely love Roan. This has truly become my go-to commuter fit. We're on the move a lot. Whether it's jumping from meeting to meeting, or catching a flight, or an important dinner, the Roan commuter collection has never let me down. The versatility and overall comfort of the collection is undefeated. Even after I wear it all day, I still feel super fresh because of the Gold Fusion anti-odor technology. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash Midas and use promo code Midas to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash Midas and use code Midas. It's time to find your corner office. Lock him up. Indictment season is upon us. Celebrate with the new indictment season t-shirt and v-neck exclusively at store.midastouch.com. I'm Bed Micellas. Welcome back to the Midas Touch Podcast. I'm joined by Brett and Jordy Micellas, We're back. my younger brothers. We are back. Let's go uh, page three of this letter where Donald Trump's lawyer, Tim Parlatori, basically discusses what they've deduced is the are the classified records um, that were there or the sensitive compartmented information that was there and the way they were able to kind of figure it out. We're just talking now about the 15 boxes from January of 2022. We're not talking about the other documents that were obtained during the valid search warrant that was executed on Mar-a-Lago on August 8th or the June 3rd uh, return of documents where Donald Trump's lawyers Corcoran and Bob put a declaration under penalty of perjury 
saying they returned everything, which was a lie in response to a subpoena. But I digress. But this is what they say. The way they're able to find it is that they were given access to look at the non-classified material. But within the non-classified material, the National Archives had placeholders for what the classified information was. So they were able to basically work backwards and say, okay, well, this must be the classified information by looking at the classified um, by looking at what the placeholder said. This is what it says. The vast majority of the placeholder inserts refers to briefings for phone calls with foreign leaders that were located near the schedule for those calls. So think about that. One of the key things that are these classified documents, right, are the notes of the conversations with foreign leaders. So like what, it's pretty sensitive information right there, right? You know, so the way they find it, they'd have the schedules of when the meetings took place, like they'd have the calendar entries and then there'd be a placeholder for, you know, the notes and those were communications with foreign leaders. So yes, Donald Trump wanted to take these records essentially so he could have the goods on the foreign leaders in his dealings with them. I mean, that's, I think, a very basic inference uh, that's made here, but I just want to remind people that one of the key issues here is the obstruction of justice part about it. It's that Donald Trump continued to lie and did not cooperate and had lawyers write false declarations to the Department of Justice. You can't do that. No one is above the law. And so early on when Donald Trump stole this stuff, he had about a year's worth of time a year to be cooperative, you know, and just to turn it back and he would have been fine. You know, I think there would have been, you know, uh, you know, a I think a lot of people would still may have been angry, like, hey, we're just letting him get away with stealing this stuff. You know, even though he was caught, like he should have turned it over. Yeah, but he probably would have got away with it. It's because he lied and put himself above the law for about 18 months. That's why this is, you know, this, this, this is a, a, a you know, it's reached where it's reached. It's all been because He's a malignant narcissist who views himself above the law and you know, most of the things he does is criminal, like how he's handled these documents. And, 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 and speaking of which, I, I do want to talk about the E. Jean Carroll trial, but I've, I've, been, I've been talking a lot. I, I want you maybe to break down what's gone on with Ron uh, DeSantis and this trip to Israel, and then we'll go back to E. Jean. Ron DeSantis, who's apparently just been jet setting uh, for weeks now. I don't even know. Like, has the guy, when has the guy last been in Florida? Is he even doing Great anything question. for Florida anymore? I've never really even seen anything like this. Uh, Ron DeSantis <laughs> just going basically from country to country and every single country he goes to, he has like the weirdest gaff on the planet. And just like, I, I was trying to think about it a little from his perspective the other day because he's in Asia. And so he's got to be like a full, day ahead on a completely different kind of news cycle time zone. So he's got to be going, you know, doing these press conferences, you know, wh whatever happens, he, he does it, right? He goes to bed, we wake up, they become memes, and he becomes the most laughed at person on the internet. <laughs> About, you know, 12 hours later, he then wakes up and he's got to be like, holy shit, <laughs> right? Like, like it's got to, it's got to hit him and a much delayed place where he like wakes up and he's like, they're talking about what now? My bobblehead? What, do, what, did, what did I say? But a, Ron DeSantis the other day went from, uh, you know, 
acting very strange uh, when he was asked about a potential presidential run and his poll numbers. And when he was asked the question in uh, Japan, his reaction was to like wave his head, open his mouth, all kind of strange, bobble a bunch and say, you know, well, I haven't uh, announced yet and uh, we'll see when I know. Yeah, it just he, he wasn't prepared for the question whatsoever. And what you're seeing is how really incompetent the guy is once he gets out of his little safe space. Like mm-hmm. Florida, he's got like a bulletproof system set up where he only allows specific journalists to talk to him. He only allows specific people around him so he could berate people to their face when he wants. He could get those made for TV moments when he wants. He's got complete control of the situation. However, when he's now going on the national stage, when he goes to other states and he goes to other countries, he does not have the same protection. So Ron DeSantis today, he's now in uh, Jerusalem. Uh, the guy's just going just about everywhere. I think he went from Japan to Korea to Jer- I, I, Jerusalem. I, I, I truly can't keep up with his entire schedule. But he ultimately ended up in Jerusalem today. And there's been a big story that has been breaking over the past few weeks. It's been reported that Ron DeSantis, when he was an army lawyer, had endorsed a practice that detainees in Guantanamo Bay said was torture. It is known as being torture. He was endorsing force-feeding prisoners at Guantanamo Bay, the story alleges, when he was a 27-year-old Navy lawyer. And so Ron DeSantis was asked about this, you know, a simple question about Ron DeSantis's time as in the Navy when he was a Navy lawyer. And you would think you would be prepared for this a little bit, or you think, you know, no matter what your take on the question is, that you'd be able to answer it with some sort of tact. But Ron DeSantis, thinking he's back in Florida, thinking he's back in his control environment, tries to berate the journalist who asks him the question and just ends up making a complete fool out of himself and shows what a hothead loser he oh, is. So it's it's a little hard to hear the journalist question here, but he's asking about this experience of Ron DeSantis when he was at Guantanamo Bay as a Navy lawyer and when he endorsed these torture tactics. So we'll play Ron DeSantis's answer to being asked about, is that true? No, no, not all that's BS. No, totally, totally BS. Yeah. Did you say you were present during yeah. Yeah. Is, is that, is that, Who uh, said that? How would they know me? Okay, think about that. Do you honestly believe that's credible? So this is 20, 2006. I'm a junior officer. Do you honestly think that they would have remembered me from Adam? Of course not. They're just trying to get into the news because they know people like you will consume it because it fits your preordained narrative that you're trying to spin. Listen, uh, a, no, a no would have sufficed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, listen, whether the story is true, whether the story is not true, guess what? You have an opportunity right now to clear it up. You have the opportunity to tell the press, tell the international audience, tell the American people what happened. You could give your answer. Instead, he just goes into that whiny, whiny, so whiny, so leaving the body so whiny. Weak. And you see him. I, I want you to watch a lot of these Ron DeSantis oh, for those, Ben's workshop and the impression, he's got to add it to the repertoire. Um, but you got, you got the, uh, I've been watching these clips of DeSantis that come out of all these pressers on mute. And I think they're very revealing of him on mute because he does the same thing. He just like shakes his head around. And it's well, it's like, a great it's- point. He has a tell. He has a tell when he's wildly uncomfortable. 
when he's backed into a corner, he doesn't know how to answer a question. Is he just starts he just starts nodding his head and bobbling it around. And we've seen that in that clip. We've seen that in the clip when they asked him if uh, he was going to run for you know the GOP candidate in 2024. And can I say this real quick? Um, I made a prediction on the last podcast that was not driven by data. And I alone said, this is my belief. Um, I am now eating my words because the Florida legislator, they repealed uh, the rule that the governor well, it's not fully appealed yet, repealed yet, Jordy. So, so give going, it, you're right. Give, give it time. There's still uh, there's still time, and and we'll see what happens. But Jordy has been very firm in his prediction that Ron DeSantis will not run for the presidency, despite being on an international tour, uh, <laughs> running a shadow presidential kind of campaign and, uh, and releasing super PAC ads uh, like he is running for president. Jordy thinks he's not running. I would, and I would I, say this. I would say this. Never underestimate the fragility of the malignant narcissistic male's ego, Jordy. And you can never underestimate it because you know, someone like uh, that you just heard, you know, you know, he's like uh, DeSantis, like, it's my turn now. It's my <laughs> turn now. I want to be the president. This was supposed to be my turn. 2024. Donald Trump's calling me meatball. Well, <laughs> let me give some actual data. though. So the Florida Senate uh, on Wednesday. My actually, turn. <laughs> the, the Florida, the Florida Senate this week actually passed this voter suppression bill and buried in the voter suppression bill was coincidentally guess what if you want to run for president or vice president guess what you don't need to worry about those pesky resign to run laws here so that that's it now it's going to be i believe it goes to the house now the house version yep. of the bill is set to be heard this friday and what the reporting is saying right now is that trump and trump's people are calling them you know and this is what we talked about last time we're like you think trump is going to let these people pass these bills he's going to be furious at this so i think trump is now calling all the people in the florida house to say the hell you're going to sign that bill. You're, you're, you are not putting that bill on the governor's desk. Hell no. So we'll see what happens. I mean, and we'll, they're very much put in a in a tight spot right now. But now the reports are already saying Jordy. So we'll see if you eat your words or not. But yeah. the reports are saying that DeSantis is expected to launch his at least a presidential exploratory committee around mid-May. Typically, you don't really do that unless you're planning on running for president. And so we'll see. You know, it's you it all hangs to me, honestly, on that vote. It all because, Ben, to your point, the fragility of the male ego, DeSantis won't run the risk of losing the governorship and then losing the GOP primary and then being, you know, caught with his pants down and bobbling his head. So it's all going to hang on to exactly that, Brett. What, what comes down? Can, can Trump actually action all those, you know, Republicans in Florida to, to not pass that legislator. And here's the and, and like the latest poll that came out, like the Emerson polling that I saw earlier today had DeSantis down to 16 percent, like he's been cut like in half since the last poll. He's doing really bad. And the more people see him and, and by the way, people in Florida who know Ron DeSantis have long said the more people get to know the guy the less they like him. That's something that we did discuss on the show months and months and months yeah. ago about Ron DeSantis. And it's really been proven true. It's every time the guy is on TV, every time people hear his whiny freaking voice and everything that he does, even the people who you think would support him, like a lot of these radical kind of MAGA politicians, even somebody like Kevin McCarthy, they're like, dude, what the heck are you doing, man? Just Stop it, you loser. You big loser. And that's what we're just that's what we keep seeing. And like he he's gotten himself his impulsiveness 
really has consequences on his own state. And you're seeing this, especially with the whole Disney issue right now. I mean, mm. DeSantis, Disney filed a First Amendment lawsuit against Ron DeSantis and the board that he had implemented to oversee the Reedy Creek District, basically minutes after uh, that board tried to take control of the district yesterday. And Disney, like, did I, re I read the lawsuit, like the lawsuit, it, it, it alleges constitutional violations for the contracts clause, the takings clause, the due process clause, First Amendment violations. And they called DeSantis out. They're like, listen, this is a straight up free speech issue in America. The government cannot punish you for speaking your mind. It's the clearest cut case on the planet. And this case has already been assigned to an Obama appointed judge in Florida. I mean, I don't think this looks good at all for DeSantis. And now you see all these Republicans even, both in Ron DeSantis' state and around the country being like, dude, this ain't it. But they still have to kind of draw that line because they still have to play to like their woke base. So they're caught in like this weird situation where they're both sizing it while they want to criticize Ron DeSantis. They want to get their brownie points with Trump. They want to act like, you know, oh, look, we're the pro-business people and Ron DeSantis, that's his, that's his whole weird thing. But then in the same breath, these people are like, but actually businesses should just stay out of issues. They shouldn't, they should never speak up. They should just basically what Laura Ingram said to, you know, LeBron James, they should just shut up and dribble. You know, that's mm. basically what they are saying to these companies. And so you had like a one-two punch today. You had Marco Rubio and Kevin McCarthy both coming out to slam Ron DeSantis for all the Disney stuff. I'll play you at least Kevin McCarthy's for now, but you just listen, listen to his weaselly way of trying to play both sides of this. I think the governor should sit down with him. I don't think the idea of building a prison next to a place that you bring your family is the best idea. <laughs> I think it would be much better if you sat down and solved the problems. But for the same point, if you're going to be a large employer in, inside this uh, state, you should also abide by the rules and run your business and don't think you should get into politics. Okay, but what? It, run your business and don't get into politics, meaning you can't take ever a position on anything? I mean, well, you can take whatever position you want. You can take whatever position you want. But remember, if, you, if you're elected to run a business, that's what your shareholders want you to do. Look, when, when, I, when I was young and I played a game fraud, uh, if, since you had Bobby on doing games, the only time I got ran over when I got out of my lane. So the one thing I think, if you're elected, do, you do your job, do your job, and things will work out okay. But retribution, just that aspect of it. I mean, I would think you wouldn't want Democrats or Republicans going after companies that well, are big, big well, businesses. Well, right? well I think if you, if you listen to my first uh, answer to this question, that's exactly what I said. Sit yeah. down right. and find your differences and solve them. <laughs> Okay, uh, wait, 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 hold on. Uh, uh, <laughs> Jordy, uh, you're going you're gonna to say what I'm going to say. You're going to talk about the Frogger part? I'm just going to talk. Why, do, why does Kevin McCarthy continue to go on CNBC and get owned? <laughs> like, this isn't the first time. I don't even think it's the second time. This might be the fourth or fifth time now that he's gone on that network and just to his shame just takes it. Can we talk about just the fact that the Frogger, like the Frogger reference comes out like, what, what, what are these people talking about? But it's this like, is the thing. This is what we say when they leave their little MAGA bubble of Fox News and Newsmax. It's like they, they don't know what to do with their hands sort of thing. They, they, they're just utterly incompetent.
Well, when I when I when, like like when I was a kid and I would play Frogger, uh, like the okay, wait, stop talking about Frogger, man. Just raise the debt ceiling, because <laughs> be 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 normal, please. And it's just a bunch of word salad that he basically. These are the freaking Citizens United people. These are the freaking corporations. Are people people? That's who these people are. And they're like, actually, businesses should not have a First Amendment right. They actually they shouldn't actually speak out on issues that may concern their business or their customers. They should just be quiet and and just do their business. And then he says like. That the 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 people who run Disney are elected, and I don't, I don't even know, I truthfully don't even know what Kevin McCarthy is trying to say, other than trying to play every single angle of this, and it's just embarrassing. It's like, listen, you can't punish businesses for saying something you disagree with in this country. That's not what you do. So take your weaponization committee BS and get the hell out of here with it. I mean, it's it's just absolutely ridiculous at the end of the day. What you're doing is a clear violation of the Constitution, whether you want to say it out loud or not. Couldn't agree more with you, Brett. And uh, shifting gears briefly to this E. Jean Carroll trial, we've had two days. Judge Lewis Kaplan, the federal judge presiding over this, runs an efficient, efficient courtroom. They finished jury selection basically by lunch on Wednesday. On the first day, they picked a they picked a jury. You got nine jurors and a few alternates. Um, the, the jury was fully seated. You had opening statements take place on the first day, um, and then you've you know already had a, a witness called who worked at Bergdorf Goodman, and then you've had E. Jean Carroll give complete her direct testimony, and then you had uh, Joe Takapina cross-examine E. Jean Carroll uh, until the conclusion of Thursday. Court is in recess on Friday, so they go back into court on Monday. But I think you could be lined up to have a jury verdict, I think, by next Thursday. Donald Trump has not shown up thus far. I, I don't believe he's going to show up. Um, uh, they're going to play his deposition during uh, E. Jean Carroll's case in chief. That's part of, a, I think, a very sophisticated strategy here because E. Jean Carroll did so well during her testimony. She was so brave and so courageous um, and just did a, a, an incredible job. Um, you know, when Joe Takapina looked like such a bully and he looked like, you know, just uh, he looked horrible and she just did so well. Um, and so... If you then play Donald Trump's deposition testimony, you're then going to show other people who experience the same horrific conduct by Donald Trump. You'll have other witnesses. You'll have other witnesses E. Jean Carroll spoke to. You'll have the Access Hollywood tape plays where Donald Trump brags about engaging in this most horrific and despicable and disgusting conduct. Um, and then you play his video deposition where he did horrible. Then you rest. And I want everybody to think about this strategically, the optics. When the judge says, okay, plaintiff rests, defense, you may put on a witness. And Joe Takapina goes, your honor, we rest. The defense rests. And they don't call Donald Trump. That Donald Trump does not show up to give testimony to try to defend himself. 
And you think about it, a civil case is not beyond a reasonable doubt, right? The jury has to find by a preponderance of evidence. In federal court, there has to be a unanimous jury. So it has to be a nine to zero decision. Otherwise, the jury will be hung. But what they have to find is just more likely than not that the scales tip 51% to E. Jean Carroll's side of the story versus Donald Trump, right? And if she introduces all of this evidence, and again, you know, the, the hardest part in these types of cases is putting your client on, and she did a fantastic, fantastic job. Um, then you put all this other overwhelming evidence, other victims testify, the Access Hollywood tape plays, Donald Trump's deposition where he says the most despicable things. Then you rest. And then Takapina says, I'm not calling someone. And the jury goes, he's not even going to show up. That's going to be a massive moment. And that's why Roberta Kaplan could have subpoenaed Donald Trump to show up. But this is where lawyering and the strategy behind it is so important. And you would never think that that's the right move. You would normally think, of course, you bring Donald Trump in. You get his ass there. You make him testify. She's making a smart decision here. Also, her whole team of lawyers, Eugene Carroll's law firm, Roberta Kaplan's law firm, some of the most incredible tactical lawyering I have seen. Like one of like the opening, pitch perfect. The direct exam, pitch perfect. Like any issues that you would think may be concerning to the jury, they didn't hide the ball. So why was it that that happened? How come you did that? Can you explain to the jury? So by the time Takapina did the cross, everything had already been discussed. You, it's a mat as a lawyer. It's like watching like Da Vinci in his prime with these <laughs> lawyers. What these lawyers are doing, no, and on the contrary, watching Takapina and Trump's lawyers, it's whatever the opposite of that is they are. And so it's really been a quite, uh, quite a sight to see, or at least to see the reporting that we're getting from the folks who are in the courtroom. I, I definitely personally want to give a huge shout out and send all my love to Eugene Carroll. I mean, I, I truthfully mm-hmm. cannot imagine how excruciating it is for her to relive what has to be the most horrific moment in her life and be that raw and emotional and talk, you know, so explicitly about what Donald Trump did to her on the stand while Joe Takapina, like a bully, yells at her and calls her basically a liar on the stand. I mean, it's just think about what she is going through. And E. Jean Carroll has been on the Midas Touch podcast. We've had some incredible conversations with her. And I just have so much love and respect for E. Jean. So huge shout out. I mean, you know, when we talk about these issues a lot, you know, it's, it's often like, you know, Trump versus this person, this versus that, you know, but there are real people with real lived experiences. And so I just want to make Make sure that um, you know that we we give each and Carol the appropriate love here and 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 send our regards to her, which you know is a is a very serious yep. and has to just be a very hard experience for her. But if you know she's got the best team, literally, I don't think you could have a better legal team on this case. And so you know I'm I, I'm happy for her and I'm thrilled that she is finally getting her voice heard and her side of the story told. I think it's so important. 
And finally, President Biden, we talked about this at the top of the show, announced that he is running for re-election. I'll, I'll make one more point about uh, e, e. Jean Carroll, though, um, was that Donald Trump's posts that he's been making have not gone over too great with this federal judge, which is an understatement. Donald Trump does his standard post where he calls it a scam and all of these things. But there have been motions to preclude um, these types of statements that Donald Trump's making in the courthouse. And because he's technically supposed to be there, like he's not required to be there. It's a civil case. You're not required to. So when he's not showing up, though, and he's making these statements outside of the courtroom as these extrajudicial statements, he technically is now a defendant in an active case where he's violating the court orders, which preclude certain things from going in front of the jury because they're prejudicial or false or irrelevant or just MAGA-ish conspiracies. And he tries to spread those things on his social media platform. So the judge basically said to Joe Takapina, you may start have to looking at some other United States statutes referring to criminal statutes if Donald Trump keeps it up. And then Eric Trump tried to impress his daddy. And so Eric Trump mm -hmm. did his own did his own post. And then the, the judge, you know, said, oh, you should tell Eric too." Eric took it down immediately um, while yeah. Donald Trump still kept his post up. All right. Going to President Biden, President Biden announced he's running for reelection. I think the message is a very, very strong campaign message. Um, it's the results. It's the production. It's what he's accomplished. But then he's running on freedom. And he's running on the fact that these MAGA Republicans, for all the things that we discuss on the Midas Dutch podcast, are taking away American freedoms. And the MAGA Republicans are the ones who are using government to harass people, to intimidate people, to control the bodies of women, to control who you can marry, to um, try to literally, you know, not recognize the existence of the trans community, like, like using government for the most horrific, horrific of things. And it is a pro freedom platform. And I just think that, you know, Hakeem Jeffries messages that you see the Democrats messaging is on point. And I think we'll be hearing more and more about that. And finally, Brett, you want to tell us about the good news with Congressman Jamie Raskin. Jamie Raskin. I mean, everybody, huge shout out to Jamie Raskin, who just finished his chemotherapy, which is really, really exciting. Oh. He rang the bell today in the hospital and, and thanked the medical staff. And when I saw this video, you know, my I, I welled up a little bit. I'm not going to lie, folks. I had a big smile. Um, Jamie Raskin is such a fighter and just such a good person. Like, let's put politics aside and the fact that I think he's an incredible politician. Jamie Raskin just seems like a really incredible human being. And we've also had Jamie Raskin on the show and had a great interview with him a few months back. If, if you want to look it up on, on YouTube or on the podcast, you could check out our interview with Jamie Raskin. Um, but just want to send my love. Jamie Raskin put out a letter today. I'll read part of it. He said, Dear America, having now finished chemotherapy and rung the bell with my nurses and doctors, having a midterm PT scan report showing negative for any discernible cancer cells, and having a preliminary diagnosis of being in remission from diffuse large B-cell lymphoma with a 90% prognosis of no relapse. I am overwhelmed with gratitude and love. And the letter goes on from there. I want to play just the video uh, because I think it's just, it, it brought a smile to my face of Jamie Raskin ringing the bell today. And once again, gotta love the guy. 
It's kind of melancholy. <laughs> but it, it's a happy it's a moment. Thing. You're going to have Jamie Raskin unplugged. So shout out to Jamie Raskin. Congratulations on the road to recovery. Cancer is in remission. We send all the best and all our love to Jamie Raskin and his family. Uh, you know, I think it's always good to end on uh, on a bit of positivity. Um, and you know, I think there's nothing better, nothing better than that. Ben, what do you think? Well, you know, look, data is important. This was a data filled show to take you into the weekend. We discussed a lot. We covered a lot of issues. Everybody out there, if you can, if you're watching this just on YouTube, please make sure you subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast wherever you get your audio podcast. It's like the simplest way you can help out if you are a YouTube watcher. So easy. Just just find whatever you use, if it's Spotify, if it's Apple, if it's Stitcher, if it's Google, what, whatever you use, just after the show, search Midas Touch Podcast and make sure you subscribe on audio as well. Make sure you share and spread the word as well about the Midas Touch Podcast, about this network to friends, family, coworkers, colleagues, everybody that uh, you know. We really appreciate that. That's one of the best ways you can help. If you can, become a member of our Patreon. If you can't, no worries about it at all. We don't have outside investors. And so one of the ways we're able to fund this network is through our Patreon. It's not the best business model, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless, it makes it so that we're very, very kind of community focused and movement focused. So you just go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch, or just go on Patreon and search Midas Touch. There's one of the membership tiers where you can become an honorary producer. That's and cool. your name appears at the end of the show. Thank you to our honorary producers and all of our patrons at the Midas Touch Patreon site. Also check out store.midastouch.com for the best pro-democracy gear, 100% union made, 100% made in the United States, which is great right there. And then we'll just take everyone out, Brett, I think by uh, showing you all this video of the meeting between, you know, you know how Trump meets with Kim Jong-un and brags about the letters. Well, President Biden meets with our allies. And so the difference between Donald Trump acting obedient and like a loser in front of Kim Jong-un, and you compare that to President Biden having fun with our actual ally, uh, the leader of South Korea, the South Korean president. I just want to play this moment from their uh, dinner that they had last night. Play the clip. We know this is uh, one of your favorite songs, American Pie. American Pie가 <laughs> Yes, yes, that's true. Yes, when I was in going to school, it was one of my favorite songs. Well, we wanted to hear you sing it. <laughs> it's been a while, but... <laughs> a long, long time ago... <laughs> I can still remember how that music used to make me smile. And now I knew if I had my chains, 
that I can make those people dance and maybe they be happy for a while. A February made me shiver with the paper I deliver. Bad news on the doorstep. I couldn't take one more step. I can't remember if I tried when I read about his widow bride. Something touched me deep inside the day the music died. <laughs> There's a fellow who wrote that song, Miss American Pie, that uh, couldn't be here tonight. But he wanted you to have his signed guitar. Don McLean. Don McLean. Don McLean. Thank now, you the, so much. The, the next state dinner we're going to have, you're looking at the entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the Midas Mighty.